Greetings. It is that five o'clock hour, KZMU Radio Book Club. I am joined with Alyssa. Here we are sitting on a snowy evening. Still a little light out there. We're in studio, KZMU, um, up on the hill here. And Alyssa and I, we, we both are coming in from Back of Beyond Books. I guess I'd say an official greetings, Alyssa. Hello. Thank you for joining me today. And we are missing one of our posse. I know. Jesse is not here today. Yeah. Jesse from the Grand County Library has some plans today to keep celebrating through the holidays. We are definitely missing her. Absolutely. Yes. We um, have gotten used to the three, this little threesome now. Two from the bookstore and one from uh, the library. And we're even starting to do more events together. And uh, recently, since uh, I, I brought the gift of an espresso machine into the bookstore, <laughs> we now give Jessie uh, sweet little lattes. Anytime she comes in. <laughs> and not nearly as many as we drink. But exactly. But she comes back with a mug, the latte is hers. The latte <laughs> has arrived. Now... Does that mean everyone gets a latte? No, I need all of the caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> Very stingy with the lattes. We do. You know, bookstores and coffee go together like, you know, what? Cookies and milk. Cookies and milk. I mean, so getting a little... that that's would I would say that's probably the biggest news of the year. Absolutely. At the bookstore. Of all 2022, <laughs> we have an espresso machine at the bookstore. A sweet little red I one. Mean. And everyone is proven to be excellent baristas from frothing milk to the Americano. Um, so... Yeah, I guess we'd call that uh, a big, big news from Back of Beyond Books. <laughs> and we know Jesse loves it, too. Um, but we're here tonight uh, just really excited to bring the best of 2022 book-wise. I mean, because it is our job to read, and it's also Jesse's job to read, we figure, well, why don't we look back at our little reading history of 2022 and bring forward what makes sense, what we're excited about, what we've been excited about, what was weird, what was not. So tonight we've got some lists, we have some book reviews, we have news, and we're, we're just pretty excited to look back Assuming we can get through everything that we've prepared, it is incredibly varied. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, yeah. And when you start actually going down this rabbit hole of lists, I mean, of course, you've got to get on Google and go through all the lists, Mm -hmm. right? And haven't we really been looking at lists for what? two, three weeks now. Oh, yeah. Maybe a month. Maybe a month. Maybe yeah. starting the beginning of December when they all kind they of all come, out. come out and <laughs> different outlets. And then you start comparing. Yes. This book appears on this one, this one, this one, and this Yes. One. So what does that mean? And then you also realize you read it and yes. you're so proud. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just sit back, get cozy, and we're going to just sort of unfurl this and get, get you excited about what happened uh, last year and and then this is you know the new 2023 radio book club and we're also excited to spend this next year with you in the same capacity um, getting you excited about books 
get that pencil handy, pen, journal, because there t- does tend to be a lot of uh, titles. A lot. That start coming forward. I think what I'll do first, and this one's going to be a little different in the sense that we're not going to cover indie bestsellers. Right, because we've done that. Yeah, we do that every time. And some some of the best of the best are the ones that come through those lists anyway. That's true. And then we're going to, I think what we'll start with is just news. I, aside from espresso news, <laughs> I, I would like to, with Jesse, because we've, we we found out that she wasn't going to join us tonight. She may be actually listening in. So hi, Jesse. Hey, Jesse. <laughs> um, she did do her homework and give us some of her best of the best. But there is something going on at the library. It looks like uh, it's a movie, one of their movie nights. Uh, they're going to be airing How It Feels to be Free, Wednesday, January 18th at 7 p.m. At, Mobi- at the Moab Library Branch. And this is a movie that tells the inspiring story of how six iconic African-American female entertainers, Lena Horne, Abby Lincoln, Nina Simone, Diane Carroll, Cicely Tyson, and Pam Greer, challenged an entertainment industry deeply complicit in perpetuating racist stereotypes and transformed themselves and their audiences in the process. This is free um, and for more information, just visit moablibrary.org or call them at 435-259-1111. And this, I guess, is presented by the library and the Moab Valley Cultural Multicultural Center. So that is January 18th at 7 p.m. That sounds like it's going to be a good one. Yeah. And they've always done really nice, um, you know, they, they, they show some great movies over there. So what? do we want to talk about news-wise other than the espresso machine? <laughs> We're wrapping up the Books for Tots, mm-hmm. and we did talk about that last that last time. How'd we do? We did so well. Yeah. I am pretty sure we sold all of the books that were chosen by yes. all of the organizations that participated this year. Yep. So we are getting ready and so excited to start <laughs> delivering these yes. to these organizations. Ten different institutions. And it gets, it gets to be Aly- Alyssa and I that, that do this little Santa um, package of books that we get to deliver to all of these institutions. And the smiles. And we take lots of pictures. So mm-hmm. tune into social media and see uh, some of that love uh, coming through there picture-wise. And then we're just kind of gearing up. I mean, really, probably biggest news last year was that the the bookstore moved from Andy Nettles' hands into David <laughs> Everett's hands. Mm-hmm. And that's been a really beautiful and smooth transition. Of course, we miss Andy. We miss Andy on air. Um, but he's off doing some wonderful things um, with rare the rare book industry. Mm-hmm. And... Stellar and, Books and Ephemera, yep. if anyone is interested in keeping up with what he's doing and yep. what he's selling and the fairs that he's attending, yeah, it's some really cool stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do we have new hours at Back of Beyond? We do. <laughs> I am personally deeply excited <laughs> about these new hours. We are opening for the winter from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Yep. And it's the... Switching from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. <laughs> that is really the deep joy. The deep joy. And why that hour, you know, is is a harder hour to show up. 
Well, we it all is. it is. <laughs> and I really like the way that you talked about it. Ten a.m. seems quite civilized. Civilized. This is civilized. Capital. Capital. <laughs> uh, one thing that I think we really should share is that we are now officially part of the internship program. Can you speak to that just a we little bit? We are yeah. the internship program for work study for high school students at uh, Grand High School. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a program where students are able to work f- in area companies and businesses and get credit for for this work. And they learn how to write up resumes and apply for jobs and mm-hmm. which skills are transferable. So it's really helping them get kind of acclimated to the workforce. I'm pretty sure it's just seniors that are able to do this internship. And so we are finally going to be able to be taking part in it this year. And we have our mentor start, our mentee starting this week Mm -hmm. uh, for her internship. And we're really excited to see where it goes and how we'll be able to take part in this with the high school. Yeah, we like that outreach Mm -hmm. effort. We like being part of the community in that way. We have been thinking a lot about the tumbleweed program at Shakespeare and Company in Paris, where they've been doing that program since the 50s. And uh, the these little tumbleweeds, would they'd come in and they'd actually live in the bookstore. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in the little trundle beds that come out from the book stacks. And uh, the only thing that they need to do, they can actually live for free in the bookstore. They need to put in a couple hours at the at the bookstore and then write a little bio. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity of looking at the hundreds and hundreds of bios that actually sit on the shelves up above the bookstore, uh, in the little apartment above the bookstore, and just just hundreds and hundreds of kids, really, that have moved through that bookstore and, you know, gone through the bed bug infested or whatever, <laughs> but I'm thinking of our program, you know, kind of harkens to that tumbleweed, you know, cause we have a lot of tumbleweeds here in the yes. desert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to roll through some of these kids that are excited to um, tap into books because in the end, one thing I will say about being at the bookstore, I think this is true at the library too, and working there, mm-hmm. even, I mean, we're, we're in, we're in the desert. Mm-hmm. We are, a hundred miles from any other bookstore and and yet here we are kind of isolated and yet you can sit and open up any number of those books and then there you are you're gone you're you're transported Mm -hmm. into a million different universes (laughs) so many universes okay I'm kind of waxing off into some places that I probably shouldn't because we have so many things we want to talk about Um, I think we should start with judging a book by its cover. Yes. (laughs) My absolute favorite pastime. And, and we, when we do that, what I'm basically saying is we're, we're kind of going through like, so this, this one is best book covers of 2022. Mm -hmm. Now, some of these lists might only have two, two listed because you have one and I have one, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. So I think what we might be converging a few things, but, um, I want Alyssa to start with best book cover of 2022. So the winner in my mind is The Rabbit Hut by Tess Gunty. Okay. It is important to note that she also won the National Book Award this year for debut fiction. And this book is incredible. But 
I had no idea what this book was about months ago when it came out, and I saw the cover and bought it with without thinking. Didn't check the jacket, nothing. Just what was on the cover, Alyssa? It's a <sighs> pink to blue gradient background, and then right in the center is a very small anatomical heart with an arrow going through it. And it's so simple, but so brightly colored and eye-catching and beautiful. And I have almost finished the book and the story absolutely reflects the strange beauty of the cover. Mm. So good. Do you want to go ahead and give us a little insight into what that book's about? Let's go for it. Yes. So people can not only get like, this is the best cover, but let's hear a little bit about the book. So the title, The Rabbit Hutch, um, plays into the story of as the name of this um, affordable housing apartment complex that all of these characters live in. They call it the rabbit hutch. And the main character is a girl called Blandine, and she has chosen this name for herself because she is obsessed with Catholic mystics. And particularly female mystics and ones that are martyred. So she is an 18-year-old girl, recently dropped out of high school, uh, coming up from the foster care system, living with other kids who came up from the foster care system and have aged out, and she has changed her name, and she is looking to emulate Catholic mystic nuns, basically. And the author, Tess Gunty, just does this incredible job of weaving in all of these different occupants of this affordable housing complex and their stories and how they interact and kind of tie into each other in uh, middle America, a depressed middle America. And it's incredible the themes that she incorporates just into this really interesting character story. Mm. So there it is, Tess Gunty and The Rabbit Hutch. Mm -hmm. And if you want to judge a book by its cover, then go get that one. Mm -hmm. And please read it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was asking, I've asked a lot of folks what they loved this year in reading. And I asked Kali, one of the our coworkers, mm -hmm. best book of... 2022, which includes the best cover. Yes, this is another of best 20, cover winner. 2022. Mm -hmm. Which one is that, Alyssa? La Plona by Otessa Moshe. Yes. And that was, I, I'm going to say, I think Kali's probably listening. Mm -hmm. Hi, Kali. We're going to call Kali. you out. <laughs> Fact of the matter is, Kali wept at the end of this book. <laughs> And so that gives us a lot of, you know, and Kali's one of the best, I think, readers I've ever met. Mm -hmm. So the the cover is kind of a little hard to explain. It's got a sheep on it yes. that is kind of collapsed. I think that sheep might be dead. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> collapsed into death, yes. perhaps, with this kind of beautiful black, you know, kind of cover, a background. And so when you, when you look at it, you... It really, you have no idea. It's not, in some ways, it doesn't really help you understand other than it looks bizarre. Yes. 
And you are going to enter a more surreal, surreality mm-hmm. by reading this book. And I think this cover, too, actually uses, like, it really uses the type color yeah. of the title, the the print that it's in, that electric blue. Yes, 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 that's right. so eye-catching yeah. and enticing. But then you see this dead sheep collapsed <laughs> into death right underneath that electric blue and it's like your brain kind of yes. does a loop around itself like what is going on here not only that while we were looking at lists we ended up into a kind of weirdest things we found out about authors 2022 yes. so um i'm afraid we're gonna have to do a little bit more about otessa Moshveg because we found out <laughs> That she has a Shopify site. It's, it's not Shopify. What was it called? Something pop. It's something pop. But it, if you buy and sell clothes online, you'll know what site yes, that we're it's trying to this, think of. But she has her own. She has her own. Mm-hmm. And she's a pretty, I mean, she's a straight up author. You know, a lot of times when you want to get to someone that you love, you know, that that's out there in the world. And well, she's made it really easy. Really easy. You can, we found out that she has a little shop and during the pandemic, she just started going through, I, she, she obviously likes vintage things, mm-hmm. clothing, jewelry, and scarves and photographs. Yes. And so we just happened to, to just come into this and uh, we, I mean, she has basically, you can order things off this site mm-hmm. and you can, for example, get a little locket, uh-huh. vintage locket with a blessing, with her blessing <laughs> inside <laughs> yeah. or a scarf of her choosing mm-hmm. or um, an old photograph. And in fact, Kali did this she did. <laughs> and we got to see mm-hmm. what she got. And so in a way, and it reminds me of, I wanted to mention this year, I tried to um, get on an auction with Joan Didion. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of Joan Didion's um, things were being auctioned this year. And, you know, sometimes there's that idea where you just actually do want to touch what they touch, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And so... It's very human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And that's why, you know, the provenance of a particular book, for example... If, if um, you can touch even their their signature, yes. you know, to have something. Um, I remember reading some of um, Rainer Maria Rilke's letters, and there were coffee stains at at the archives in Paris, and and touching the stains, you know, it's like okay, the DNA is in there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm channeling, yes. channeling Rilke here. And so Moshfeg giving her fans in a way, and, and I don't even know if her fans really know about this. It, I mean, I guess with Lit Hub. They do now. Yeah, they do now, because <laughs> that was in the list. Mm-hmm. The weirdest things we found out about authors 2022. Yes. And by the way, I wasn't able to buy anything of Didion's because... It's Didion. Yeah, and the, was the, it was expensive. Yeah, I wanted her cookbooks because there's probably some things written in there. And, you know, soup spills. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so there we go. I also would say that I really loved uh, Rachel, Rachel Cusk's second place, the cover in that one yes. mm-hmm. looked like um, just kind of a straight up painting that 
I would say is one of my favorite books um, of the year as well. And I like her in general. And then there was one other one that I wanted to mention. I haven't read it. I don't know a whole lot about it, but it's a new up and coming Chinese author. She lives in Beijing and her name, and I'll actually try and pronounce it in Chinese, yes. <laughs> um, but it's An Yu. And she wrote a book called Ghost Music. And on the cover is a, it's, it's like, um, it's a music score mm-hmm. with, um, with the mushrooms as sort of like, you know, the, the little icons, little music icons. Oh. And the mushrooms are all in different colors. And it's, it's just a gorgeous. We just got it in recently. And wow. so, yeah, it's beautiful. I am a big proponent. Yeah. Judge a book by its color. Yeah. It's very rare that you are steered wrong. Yeah. There are cover artists and designers that spend so much time on these. And they... It's true. Take the time to tell very briefly the story that is encased inside of these books. Yeah. And, yeah, and we were having a conversation about how authors really, um, as far as traditional publishing, they don't have a lot of um, say mm-hmm. often in how that cover is going to look. Um, but then you have all of these graphic designers out there really doing a good job, and they obviously have to read it and sort of channel what's in there. So and they're getting better and better and more colorful they and really they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right. So I was thinking about some we we were both actually thinking about book trends. And one thing I would like to kind of pepper in here is some of our own back of beyond mm-hmm. trends and things that we we ended up kind of pulling a few reports and the one thing I I do want to say and then I I'll actually give our listeners out there by the way you're listening to radio book club kzmu.org and you're here with sherry and Alyssa from back of beyond books and i wanted to speak to what kind of turned out to be the best of the best at back beyond all told we're talking like books all books and yeah across genres and then we'll kind of um talk about a couple of the a couple of genres where uh, we it's really interesting to see what is popular mm-hmm. you know and of course desert solitaire absolutely is the one the it's usually always number one desert solitaire yeah. ride or die yeah mm-hmm. it really is because people still uh, go to arches and people still want to read Edward Abbey's Desert Solitaire, but at the same time, number eight is Desert Cabal, uh-huh. which makes me happy with uh, Amy Irvine's mm-hmm. um, response 50 years later yes. to Desert Solitaire. And, and at this point, I think, you know, when I want to sell Desert Solitaire, I want to hand a copy of Desert Cabal it's at the same time. It's a great conversation yeah. uh, about the area and between the two books. Yeah, conversation. Com- conservation at large Mm -hmm. and I was talking with someone recently where you know this idea that in desert solitaire we are in a way kind of um, glorifying going out into the wilderness alone Mm -hmm. and of course that idea of cabal is that we go out in the wilderness together yes Mm -hmm. and um, I love that those two are on our top 10 me too yes of course uh, braiding sweetgrass is number five. Wow. Yeah. 
It's 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 still so strong. It is, and it was. I, if I remember correctly, definitely in the top 10 last year as well for us. It was. And I will, I want to add this in. This is Jesse's number two. Yes. And this is Jesse from the library's list of books that made, I think she gave us one, two, and well, she actually gave us a list of 10, but this is number two. And Jesse says this. My favorite nonfiction book of the year, though written over seven years ago, Braiding Sweetgrass is still one of the highest circulating books at Grand County Public Library, much to my delight. It was a strong presence on the indie bestseller list for years and the New York Times bestseller list as well, which is quite a feat for a small press publication, mm-hmm. which is Milkweed Editions. Um, Kimmerer is a citizen of the Potawatomi Nation, a distinguished professor and planned ecologist specializing in the study of mosses. (laughs) She challenges us to pay attention, to ask permission of the earth, and to listen to the answer. This may sound esoteric, but she gives plenty of practical examples of what that means. I was left feeling hopeful for the planet and its inhabitants after reading this. Human beings are not separate from the rest of the natural world. We are in a relationship with creation, and she challenges us to behave accord- accordingly with reciprocity and gratitude for the, genera- the generosity of the earth. While consumption and greed are rampant and destructive, with the simple acts of paying attention, i.e. learning the languages of plants and animals, and expressing respect and gratitude, balance and harmony may be dis- restro- restored. And then she does recommend the audiobook. Um, because she reads it herself and quoted by Jesse, her voice is soft, mellifluous, and purely delightful. <laughs> Audiobooks for certain titles just make a huge difference yeah. to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it, they do. And we'll speak to that in just a little bit, actually. Um, so, you know, those are some of our top, top populars, popular books at the bookstore. Of course, nowhere for very long, Brianna Madia, mm-hmm. because we sold over maybe six, hundred, maybe six, over 600. No, no more, more than that. More. We were almost yeah. at, all told, after the pre-orders were done, we were right around 5,000. Oh, yeah. Why did, I, yeah. Way more than six. Where did I, where, I think that was what we sold at the end there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. 5,000, over 5,000 copies. And that was just yeah. pre-sale. And we've continued to sell throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So we pulled a modern biography or memoir, uh, best sellers at the bookstore. What's, what's going on with that list, Alyssa? Oh, no, it was philosophy. Yes, yes it was philosophy. philosophy. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, this, it was actually philosophy. I have memoir. So the philosophy um, bestsellers that we have on top by a mile is The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. yeah. And this book has been on the indie bestseller list all year long and for parts of last year, I believe, which was really interesting because it was published initially in uh, 2015, I think. But it is very much about how trauma is stored in your body and how things that you repress or things that are affecting you emotionally or psychologically can be traced 
through your experience of trauma and the way that your body is processing it. So it's just a really interesting and so deeply important book about the way we experience the world and the way that our bodies are always trying to help us and to keep us safe. And our nervous system's whole goal is to make sure we don't die. Right. Basically. (laughs) And I really think that particularly in the philosophy section, a lot of the books that have come out since have really been taking what came out of versions right yes how the body keeps the score and and expanding on it or drilling down on certain parts or making it even making the concept slightly more accessible because this one the body keeps the score by uh vander kolk is quite academic um which is still really interesting, but it, he is a psychiatrist and MD, and so it is quite academic. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot. Even reading The Myth of Normal that came out this year by mm-hmm. Gabor Mate, uh, he's, he quotes... Extensively. The, extensively, right? yeah. And he's also an MD and works with trauma. And, um, and you're right. I mean, so many titles have come through with just versions of, mm-hmm. of that kind of thinking... I guess if we could say that we have been in a collective trauma oh, yes. with um, the pandemic and, of course, everything else that is going on in, in individual lives. But uh, I do find it interesting that all year, all the, really the whole pandemic, it seems, mm-hmm. Body Keeps the Score has been number two, number three, number one, number two, number yes. three. And, and interestingly enough, um, Bell Hook's All About Love has stayed up there, too. Mm-hmm. And been one of our bestsellers as well. Yes. And that book isn't, isn't really specifically talking about the same things that are in The Body Keeps the Score, but, but are also not, yeah. ta- not talking about it. And it's, it's a much older publication, but Bell Hooks has been thinking of these things and, ex- and living a life that has been so impacted mm-hmm. by the way that they experience the world and by race and yes. gender and sexuality. Yes. And, and liter- it, she does a great job with the literary, her, her literary um, lexicon. Mm-hmm. And so when you're reading it, there's this sense of, it's almost got a self-help feel, you know, because mm-hmm. you're tuning in and kind of comparing your own story with hers and and to take on the definition of love, yes. And at the time when she did it, mm-hmm. well, it it's it's pretty profound and still ap- applicable. And um, of course, that four agreements just keeps rolling. It does rolling through mm-hmm. by Ruiz. And then on you know the mildly lighter side of yeah. things, as far as philosophy is yeah. concerned, boy, the mole and the fox yeah. has been yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful, simple book, and mm-hmm. it is philosophical, but it is like little bite sizes of what if you thought about this differently? Yeah. And what if you saw the beauty in this small and mundane thing today? How would that change mm. everything for you? That makes me think of last night with a group of dear friends. I just randomly said, okay, best book of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few of them collectively said the Midnight Library 
uh, by Haig. Mm-hmm. And that really reminds me of what you just said. This Did you read that one at all, Alyssa? I, it is on my list. It's on your list. To be read. Mm-hmm. This idea that, you know, this woman was, um, sh- the, the protagonist was very depressed and on her way to expiring mm-hmm. uh, deliberately and ends up in a kind of between place, mm-hmm. that place between death and life. But it was a library. And the librarian mm-hmm. um, pulled out other versions of her life. So this is what would it, this was the life you would have led if based on this decision or that oh, decision wow. or that decision or that decision. And um, to kind of see uh, this, all these different versions. And, and yet this kind of feeling that you'd maybe still choose this one, you know, that you, you ended on or that you Mm ended up upon. And, um, so that was a kind of nice little segue into fiction. Um, because (laughs) fiction, dude, fiction, fiction. (laughs) I mean, maybe we can throw, cause we're going to talk about social media. Can we kind of converge a little bit of some TikTok Absolutely. with this, this fiction list? Yes. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. why are we bringing TikTok and fiction into the same sentence? Because all year long, the independent bestseller list has been largely influenced by what is showing up on TikTok and this little subset of TikTok called Book Talk. <laughs> and you can find it on TikTok and it is vast and expansive and it is so many book recommendations and they'll cry, they'll weep, they'll yes. laugh, they'll And it it's so interesting because it is at least prior to when publishers realized how much this was impacting sales of books and have since started paying influencers on TikTok to review and plug their books. But prior to that, so earlier just this year, really, um, it was arguably the most democratic way to get a book recommendation. That's very true. You know, it's just people's experiences and opinions. And over this year, the books that have found themselves on the independent bestseller list have largely been books that make you feel things. So Colleen Hoover's mm-hmm. books, I don't know how many she has. Let me tell <laughs> you what's on the top 10 of our list yes. of Colleen Hoover. These are the, the, the ones that were most popular this year. It was Ugly Love, Verity, and it ends with us. Okay. Those are those are three out of ten. Mm-hmm. Three out of ten. Yeah. And there was one point in the summer, you know, when everyone has more time to read, particularly fiction, mm-hmm. where I'm pretty sure there were six or seven of her titles on the top fifteen yeah. of the indie bestseller list for a week at a time. And she is at least began largely as a self-published author, and her success was really predicated on social media and TikTok and BookTok. Yeah. And it's been super fascinating to watch. Yeah, and publishing is changing very quickly mm-hmm. based on not just TikTok, but why don't we just cover a little bit of uh, Instagram mm-hmm. and uh, sort of what's happening there as far as 
you know, the publishing world and the influencer that's coming out of Instagram. Do you want to speak to that, Alyssa? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, one of the the best trends to, however you want to look at it, trends that you want to talk about with Instagram is publishers that have been following different influencers and it's basically captions to books book deals is really what's happening and of course in our neck of the woods the absolute best example of that is is brianna madia and um if which what's it's about what's it about so our listeners can know what's nowhere for very long about so this book is about brianna madia it is a memoir and she is documenting her experience of you know what happens to a lot of people graduating college getting married and putting yourself in a place where you want to start your life but it requires working a menial job that you're not passionate about and a lot of hours and figuring out where how you can live the life that you want to live and what it takes and what sacrifice you are willing to make and particularly what she is willing to make in this in this book obviously it's her memoir <laughs> and she she definitely she ended out up out here in this mm-hmm. part of the world in this part of the desert um but other titles uh Ru- rupee cower yes i i mean i want to say a lot of poets yeah. have really made a name for themselves largely through their social media and Instagram presence. So Rupi Kaur, a lot of her poetry was there on social media yeah. first. Another poet that comes to mind is Yursa Daly Ward. And she has uh, memoirs and poetry books available. Um, the other two big ones that came from this year are um, the Rest is Resistance book by Trissa Hersey. Which we love. So good. Yes, because we are resting as uh, resistance. As we all should. Yes. By the way, everyone pick up this book. And will you name will you name that author doesn't once more? People yes, need to know the name Trisha of this. Trisha Hersey. Yeah, Trisha and Hersey. Her Instagram handle is the Nap Ministry. The Nap. N A P. The Nap Ministry. Yes. And <sighs> her her this book is birthed out of her experience and what she was cultivating in live events, but also this this Instagram presence. And Another is um, the book that came out very recently called You Gotta Be You by Brandon Kyle Goodman. Mm -hmm. And this book, yes, he's an actor. He's a voice actor. um, But this book largely came from an Instagram uh, story plan that he made for himself where he got on every Monday doing Messy Mondays, saying, tell me something good or tell me something messy. And it just launched this kind of viral online community and a book was born out of it yeah and it's an easy match for a publisher yes a publishing company to you know to see that there's that many that are excited about uh, someone on social media uh it's interesting that we've kind of been talking about our the genres in our bookstore and what's Mm -hmm. been really popular and of course other fiction titles, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Mm-hmm. That one came up last night with my friends as well as yes. being a favorite. Um, but, and uh, Circe by Madeline Mil- Miller. Mm-hmm. That's another one that just keeps and standing I, up. 
this is another book, both Circe and Song of Achilles for mm-hmm. uh, Madeline Miller. Um, there have been multiple articles where she's been interviewed about how ecstatic and indebted she feels to the book talk community mm. because she both of her books shot back to up to bestseller lists in the pandemic year and both books had been published three and five years prior yeah and she was with in this Hoover position. was the same yeah mm-hmm. and she was in this position where like everyone was out of work the pandemic was completely changing her income and all of a sudden she's anticipating more and more residuals from this book because book talk is yeah pushing more and more people to buy these stories and they are incredible stories but it's just really interesting yeah. the way that tiktok has infiltrated the publishing is- industry and it's all it's all evolving we see it we see it every day we see it in the book choices we make uh, some other book trends we talked about audiobooks. That's one of the um, kind of the biggest book trend mm-hmm. uh, is that people, especially through the pan- pandemic, uh, they're they're listening to books. They're listening to books. Uh, one of the coziest books I read in 2022 is House in the Cerulean Sea, mm-hmm. and my uh, I I I literally Googled best and coziest book because I had a need for a cozy book and you know when you need a cozy book Mm -hmm. that's by TJ Clooney and um, it turned out to be the coziest book (laughs) and the one I needed and Um, did you listen to that? I listened to that one that was an audio listen Uh, one one best one for you? one best audio listen this year by far was An Immense World by Ed Young and I'm sure I've talked about this book on Radio Book Club before, but I know for certain I never would have been able to follow it if I had read it, like, with a physical book. Yeah. Um, because, A, he's brilliant. <laughs> and, <laughs> B, it's, it's science writing, which I find really interesting when I can listen to it, mm. but very tricky when I'm when you read, to it. read it. Mm-hmm. Alyssa, do you realize that we only have 10 minutes left? No. Yes. <laughs> and we haven't even gotten about. to our best of bests. <laughs> this is crazy. Um, okay. I just want to just say a couple other kind of amazing trends. Um, political books are on the up. Self-publishing has skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Independent publishers are pl- proliferating, and I see that a lot. I uh, see small presses cropping up and I get so excited and uh, I, I love when we can pull in books from the independent sources also just the call for diversity with publishers yes. I mean really since George Floyd I feel like it's a different world it is yeah. and it, it there are so many more doors opening yeah. finally for voices for, for the voices, voices that yeah. honestly all of us have been in a desert yeah and many of us don't even know couldn't even fathom what we've been missing and so it's incredible that there are all of these small presses cropping up and that they are working to prioritize voices that otherwise wouldn't have a platform and in 2023 for any voice to not have a platform it's crazy so 
It's a different, it, it is a different world and, and it's exciting because we're on the front lines of um, curating those voices mm-hmm. and that's what we take seriously. That's a sacred duty really, I think, um, to, yeah, to, to hold space. A bookstore is holding space for voices and um, we take that pretty, pretty seriously even though we laugh a lot. We do. Yeah. Pretty deeply, passionately, yeah, seriously. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> so I'm thinking that since we have so many things that we do want to say, let's do some just really flash okay. books we love. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do one of, another one of Jesse's. Actually, no, I'm going to uh, do this one first. Okay. I'm going to do it. So in this next few minutes, we're just going to kind of move through some of our best of best and try and get through as many as we can, actually. Uh, I want to, really the last of the year, we came to uh, see this book, uh, Terry Tempest and uh, Brooke Williams came in. Boy, that was really during the holidays. And she handed me a book, um, another one that has come out of the Eakins Press Foundation. They're just this little chat book. And uh, she arrived in the bookstore and um, just beautifully kind of said, hey, um, you know, this this happened. This book happened. And it's called What My Body Knows. Uh, of course, written, this was an article that came out in The Guardian. And um, the, the article itself, or this uh, beautiful uh, set of prose uh, by Terry Tempest Williams, was then handed to Mary Frank, who's an artist at large, who has also uh, illustrated other uh, pieces of Terry's. Uh, I think the first one was Desert Quartet uh, years ago. This is a beautiful, uh, very small collection of images and words, but I did want to uh, just read the first page uh, from What My Body Knows by Terry Tempest. The story my body wants to tell is that my body and the body of the earth are one. Our power and the power of earth are intrinsically bound in generosity and regeneration, not scarcity and sacrifice. Renewal, abundance, retreat, and restoration are the seasons within us. But we forget what real power looks like because the power of the patriarchy has disguised what hurts us and what we deserve as what we deserve. The assaults on my body are akin to the assaults wounding the body of the earth but I am human and that alone makes me complicit in the degradation and sacrilege of nature. Atonement is possible. And then um, the final, the the final page, I just want to read the last sentence. Um, She says, we will rise drenched, drenched in joy and lead. Our bodies on the earth, of earth, for earth, will be fearless, keening and singing, chanting and dancing, circling the planet in defiance and prayer as our stay against in- extinction, both human and wild. We locate the pulse that refuses to cease because what my body knows is life follows life. 14th of February, 2022. All right, what's next, Alyssa? Okay, my flash recommendation. Yes. Oh, gosh. I know. It's Where do you go? Say. I know because we don't have much time, well, sadly. Well, I'm going to say I don't think I've talked about this one yet this year. The memoir that I read, that I listened to on Libro.fm is um, 
The Crane Wife. And this memoir, I another book, honestly, that I picked because of its cover. Yes, of course. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, the cover is a woman with a sweater that's stuck over top of her head, so you can't see her face, and she's standing there kind of like a starfish because she's stuck. And I was like, well, I have to read that. <laughs> and it, um, it really sets the scene and the tone for the type of reading I've done this year, which is about authors and characters that are chaotic and kind of unlikable women. And I've loved every minute of it. Hey, just as a side note, what was the um, saying on Otessa Mosh, one of Otessa Moshvag's t-shirts in her shop? Yes, I want this t-shirt very badly. What was it's the... called, it's Unlikable Women, yes. but it has roses all around the font. Did that say fiction in fiction? I, no, I think it oh, just says did... Unlikable Women, <laughs> which I'm also here for. <laughs> yes, because that does seem to have been the theme for you. It These... really was. Prickly. Prickly. And yeah. where do you find the value? Yeah. And who who has the right to assign value to anyone, whether you've decided they're likable or unlikable? And this is a great memoir addressing a lot of those those themes as they are particularly and often assigned to women. Mm. This this is going to be like pinball, mm -hmm. going from this book to that book. I want to pinball over to Studio Ghibli Cookbook. Ooh. Yes, the unofficial recipes inspired by Spirited Way, Ponyo, and more. Oh. I know. I know. I find this to be one of the most special books of the year. Wow. It's literally a cookbook, and if if you have seen the Studio Ghibli movies, mm -hmm. um, then you'll know exactly what we're talking about. The one I want to um, highlight is Spirited Away. Yes. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, of course, it's by Miyazaki, the second highest grossing Japanese film world worldwide. And in this cookbook, you get to um, hear a little bit about the movie, Spirited Away. Of course, um, this girl, she's she um her parents accidentally enter the supernatural realm and they begin eating from a mouth-watering buffet without permission the spirits transform them into pigs uh chihiro which is uh, of course the the um the girl in the movie does not eat any of the food so she avoids their fate and is rescued by a mysterious boy so here what what they did eat something they did eat in this film is um it's actually called a tuna onigiri. Tuna onigiri. And it has this lovely picture oh. of rice and uh, some seaweed, and they look like little cones. And it actually gives you a recipe. So you get to watch the movie, make something, this nigiri from uh, the book, which has jasmine rice and vinegar and some tuna some mayo, so <laughs> some good. roasted nori, and, and put that together and sit down and eat. And so this cookbook is just, I would just call it the special book of 2022 because you can actually, um, if you like Studio uh, Ghibli, um, it's a great book to have in your cookbook um, bookshelf, on your cook cook cookbook bookshelf. Yes. Okay, next. Okay, next. I'm going to talk about... 
the book I read. Um, you know what? I'm going to talk about Under the Whispering Door. Oh, yes. yes good. Which is also by TJ. I like how we're, you know, mm-hmm. see, we're going to pinball back over. Yes. Okay. So, Under the Whispering Door, it was published earlier this year, and it is also warm and cozy like House on the Cerulean Sea, but in a totally different way. And I love TJ Klune for his ability to tackle really like difficult existential and experiential questions in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming or intimidating. And it's very approachable, but it still allows you to kind of have that airy floating sort of at home feeling mm. while he's telling you the story of people asking the same questions you are. Yes. And it, what I love about that one is it's cozy, but it's got a little bit more of a darker quality. Mm-hmm. And um, he does really well with that too. His deeper, when, mm-hmm. when he goes deeper, he's able yes. to kind of hold that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say for me, probably best memoir of the year but that's really hard to say (laughs) because that is a genre I uh, read a lot from but it is the the one I just read recently and I would call it maybe top at least top three it's called Stay True by Hua Xu and uh, just came out a couple of months ago the story of um, actually, uh, an immigrant, he, a uh, young boy who was, he was born in Taiwan and came over pretty early with his parents and they settled in the Bay area and he actually ended up going to Berkeley in the nineties, so actually late eighties. And this is a com a coming of age story about a Chinese immigrant who, um, ended up befriending, uh, another uh, a boy there in um in at berkeley and uh this friend and they became very good friends he was actually um japanese american and this friend ended up um he he went through a car hijacking and actually died and so this is it's really beautiful how he weaves the story of trauma but at the same time he's building this picture of coming of age in the San Francisco Bay Area in college at Berkeley in the 90s. And wow. so um, it's about music. It's about, um, and, and you know, he's he, he writes for The New Yorker. And as far as I can tell, he's in his 40s, 50s, maybe early 50s. And so this was, you know, a 25 years ago. And him kind of like being able to bring this, this story forward. It's beautiful. Stay True by Hua Xu. Okay, one one more. Can you give us one okay, more? One okay, one more I read this year, yeah. Crying in H Mart, which has also been on the indie bestseller list almost all year long. And this one is by Michelle Zahner, who is the lead singer for the band Japanese Breakfast. It's another book that I listen to, and personally I would recommend listening to it because she reads it herself. And so it's just this deeper layer of getting to know her, especially if you like Japanese breakfast. Yes. And it's a really wonderful portrait, A, of Korean food, and then B, of what it's like to have an intense mother as either an only daughter, an only child, or the only daughter of a larger family. And if you have that experience, in so many ways you will relate. 
I would say probably one of the best images of 2022 for me was in that book where she compared the trans migration of souls to kimchi. Yes. And did it very, very well. Incredibly well. Yeah, without any kind of, um, you know, it wasn't sappy or, yeah, it was beautiful. The That's basically how she got better. Mm-hmm. She made kimchi. Alyssa, we have done it and there's piles left so many piles left i think what we should we should do is um just make sure we march through all those and get those um listed on bookshop.org so you can get on to you can come to see some of these lists on go to bookshop.org and we'll make sure and get this list live and uh, go to back of beyond books and you'll be able to find the list there and there'll also be a list at uh, that will c- go up on the library's website, and that's what's the library's website? Grand County dot Grand County Library dot org. I think that's what it is, <laughs> but don't quote me on there. I think that yes, no Moab Library dot org. There we go. I should know that. Okay, so we're gonna march out of here. Thank you, thank you, Alyssa, for coming tonight. It was thank so you. fun. And the last thing that I want to march out of here with is a poem by Joy Harjo, who this is another 2022 book called Weaving Sundown in a Scarlet Light, 50 poems for 50 years. And it is the foreword is by Sandra Cisneros. And what's beautiful about this poetry collection is that there's 50 poems and in the back are 50 really pretty um, hefty sized notes for every single poem. So you get to get a little bit of Joy Harjo's history on why she wrote each of these poems. And I'm going to just go out of here with the first poem in this collection called The Last Song. How you can stand it, he said, the hot Oklahoma summers where you were born, this thick, humid air is choking me and I want to go back to New New Mexico. It is the only way I know how to breathe. An ancient chant that my mother knew came out of a history woven from wet, tall grass in her womb. And I know no other way than to surround my voice with the summer songs of crickets in the moist south air. Oklahoma will be the last song I'll ever sing. All right, my friends, tune in uh, next, the first Monday of every month for KZMU Book Club. We are we're excited already to see you next month or um, have you tune in and uh, bye for now and happy reading happy trails happy journeys take care bye okay bye you can hear radio book club live on the kzmu airwaves every first monday of the month at 5 p.m find archives and book mentions at kzmu.org